What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Bird, the podcast and coach here. In this episode, we are going to talk about a journey, a near-death experience our guest had, some of the lessons he learned from it, and how those lessons can carry on to you because we don't really think about how finite our lives are and how there is an end at some point and the different things we want to do. It's stuff we don't often think about unless we are approaching the very end or we happen to have a near-death experience like our guest who joins us today. So our guest, a little bit more about him before we go into the story. He is a former engineer for Exxon who was involved in a horrific race car accident back in 1977. And in those moments between life and death and multiple months in the hospital, his entire life flashed before him. And as a result, he penned the book as fate would have it. The book discusses the events that he relived in those few brief seconds and the lessons he learned and how they impacted the rest of his life. So if you are looking for a deeper perspective on life, on goal setting, on doing all the different things you want to do and you know you should be doing, this is the episode for you. And our guest who joins us is none other than Art D. Nick. Art, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you for having me. Art, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And I mean, each near-death experience that we talk about, whether it's on the show or uh, you, you just stumble upon it, like each one teaches you to value life so much. And I'm wondering if you could share with us how that horrific race car accident changed you. What were some of the things that you started doing differently the moment you got out of the hospital? Well, um, actually, um, the, in the race car accident, I was driving a dragster. Uh, I was in the um, left-hand lane. I was racing against a friend of mine uh, who was a funeral director, and uh, he liked to put on a show. He'd come to the races with a first pulling his race car, his race car was painted entirely black and, you know, on the side of it, it had a uh, ghostly silver lettering, the Grim Reaper. Anyway, uh, we started the race and I was just a little bit ahead of him and I was going about 140 mile an hour and I turned over and looked. I didn't, I, I turned and glanced at him and saw he was a little bit behind me and, uh, you know, guys that, race cars perhaps habit or even professional races are a little bit superstitious but anyway at that instant the uh, left rear tire blew i lost control of the car uh the car rolled over three times and uh, in, in those couple of seconds actually my whole life uh, flashed before me and i actually relived it so i could put uh, you know, different instances together and see how uh, they impacted the next thing that happened in my life. Uh, you know, like I, I thought I made a bad decision and I found out, well, if I didn't make that bad decision, the next thing uh, wouldn't have happened. Uh, I'll show you a brief picture of the race car. I don't know if you can wow. see it uh, after it happened. Um, Totaled, wow. And okay, so like I said, it turned over, and you know, I prayed uh, to God that you know I wasn't going to die. I actually thought I was going to die. And uh, when the car, uh, my, the section of the car that I was in landed right side up, I there was I was completely engulfed in flames. And uh, I said, Oh my God, you didn't save me just for this. I'm going to burn up. And 
I was held in with a six-point harness, and I'm trying to reach down and get the harness unbuckled, and the, you know, flames are just burning my arms and stuff like that. Anyway, I finally got out and uh, uh, rolled around on the ground, and you can see in the picture there's you know hundreds of people behind the fence, and finally they were able to jump over and. Uh, while I was rolling on the ground trying to get the fire out, they squirted the fire extinguishers on me and uh, they got the fire out. And, you know, I I thought I was all right. I started asking everybody, well, how's the car? And they said, well, what the hell are you worried about the car for? I said, they said, you're hurt. I said, I'm not hurt. I didn't feel a bit of pain, okay? The, the adrenaline was so much that it, stop the pain for that time and uh anyway the, the the paramedics finally got there and they started cutting my pants off and uh you could just see the gobs of skin coming with it and i still didn't feel anything hmm. they put me in the uh, you know the ambulance and uh that's about was took it was a 15 minute ride to the hospital anyway they were pouring saline solution on me and uh in the middle of the ride is when it really hit. And I mean, it hurt like hell. Uh, but, okay, uh, like I said, uh, by seeing different segments of your life close together and actually reliving them, you see instances that you thought you made a bad decision, uh, but you actually made it for a, a reason it was actually fate because what followed was actually something that actually depended on you making that that bad decision and uh, if, if you're going to say well what, you know what what overall messages did you get out of reliving your life and one is uh, ne never let anybody tell you no that you can't do something mm. okay uh, and in my life, lots of people told me, no, I, I couldn't do something. And they, and they were totally wrong. And the other thing is, is, you know, don't, don't dwell on the past and the mistakes that you made, because if, if you do, you, you're going to miss what's going to happen in the future. And if you change some of those things, your life would be different today. And it probably might be worse. You wouldn't have the same kids. You wouldn't have the same friends. You wouldn't have the same job. You're uh, so you know. Really, look at what you got today, and 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 move on. If you don't like your job today, uh, you know, get another one. There's no big deal in failure. And I know lots of people that you know, they're in a job they didn't like it. Uh, they either got that fire or quit, and actually found a better job and were much happier later on. Um, and, you know, I can tell you, like, some of the instances where they told me no, well, when I was in high school, I, I grew up in New Jersey, actually, I born in Atlantic City, okay? Hmm. Grew up in New Jersey, and I went to Holy Spirit High, and when we were a senior, the New Jersey Department of Unemployment had developed a bunch of tests, and uh, they came into our senior class, and you know, three days worth of, te worth of testing and how to put, you know, square pegs and square holes, round pegs and round holes. And, you know, I may have put some square pegs and round holes. I don't know, because uh, when they came back a couple of months later, they, they sat everybody down. You know, they had all these little offices set up. And he said to me, he said, what do you, what do you plan on doing when you graduate? And I said, well, I'm going to college. I'm going to be an engineer. And he said, oh, you, you, you 
first of all, you, you really can't go to college. You ain't got the ability, and you certainly don't have the uh, ability to be an engineer. And I said, well, <laughs> that's what I'm going to be. And they said, no, you, you don't have it. You, you, you really should look at being a plumber or a seamstress or a pipe fitter. And I said, well, I, I'm going to be an engineer. Anyway, I went to college, uh, um, graduated first in my class in mechanical engineering. Wow. And, you know, I guess that surprised them for, for the next uh, four or five years. They kept coming. I got to eventually start going to work for Exxon. They kept coming up to Exxon in North Jersey and, and Florham Park. And they were interviewing my supervisors. And at that time, I was group leader of a bunch of guys. And hmm. I was, you know, way ahead of everybody else. And I guess that surprised the living shit out of them. I'm wondering if we could jump in on the fact that um, you were told you're not going to be an engineer, like there's no way you could do it. And that's something you hear very early on. And then you transition to being best in your class. That, that is such an inspiring story right there. I'm wondering, like, what was the work ethic? What was the mentality that turned from this person said, you can't do it, you can't make it to being best in your class and then eventually getting the job at Exxon? I, I, I don't know, except um, I, I always was, were up until my mid-30s, a very insecure person. But if you knew me, you wouldn't know that. So I always faced a challenge to prove to myself. Actually, I was always competing against myself rather than somebody else. Good. So I competed against myself just to prove to myself that I could do it. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, there a lot of other times I've been told, no, you can't do it. Um, they're wrong. They, they, people don't know what they're looking for. Or they don't know what's really inside a person that motivates them and, and makes them go on and, you know, do something. And, uh, you know, lots of times, um, uh, you know, in my job, I, they, I'd be flying all around the world for Exxon. And, uh, like one time they, they had a, a real problem in a plant in, uh, in uh, Germany and uh, uh, I had to go there because the, um, they had a, a task force set up and the head of the task force was from France and in France taking your vacation is very important. So I had to go there and relieve them on vacation relief, okay? And I was really upset with my boss telling me I had to go relieve this guy. Uh, so he could take his vacation. He's well, it's in the middle of my summer. He's going to wreck my summer for his crummy vacation. Anyway, I got to, I got to the plant and I went out to the control room and I went out to the units that were having problems. They were they had to shut these units down every every couple of weeks and it was costing them millions of dollars. And I I looked at it. I looked at the data and uh, he had a, they had a meeting set up with the manager about an hour and a half later. And you know he came in. French guy came in and told me, well, you know, this is what you got to say, that we've got to study the problem a lot longer. And, and I said, bullshit, you've studied it enough. You're looking in the wrong spot. That's not the answer. I go into the meeting, I sit down and I tell him, you've been wasting your time studying this problem. That's not the right answer. This is what you got to do. You got to shut the unit down. I think there's fouling and 
blocking in the upper part of the unit. You people are looking at the lower part, and you, you got to shut down. They said, it's, it's going to cost us, uh, you know, a million dollars to shut the unit down. And you just came here, and you, you're looking at it, and you're telling us to shut it down. I said, yeah, you got to shut it down. And they said, yeah, yeah it's too quick. Then they said, we got to call Brussels. Brussels is the headquarters. They called Brussels and they talked to the uh, managers there and managers there said, well, yeah, it's going to cost you a million dollars to shut it down, but you're losing a couple of million dollars a week by going through the problems. So, uh, well, we'll, you know, we'll shift the, your product. We'll make the product in, uh, in France for those couple of days that you got to shut down. And then they called my my bosses in uh, New Jersey, and they they said, "What are you crazy? You only been there a couple hours, and you're making this decision. You want us to spend a couple of million dollars?" And they said, "Look, I I did some quick calculations. I I know I'm right." And they said, "Well, you know, we're going to go along with you, but if you're wrong, you come back here. You don't have a job. Better find another job." And I said, I, I know I'm right. And they said, well, you're not. They said, we'll take a chance, but be prepared to find another job. Anyway, they had to cut this unit apart and they made the first cut and they found nothing and I'm starting to wee-wee my pants. <laughs> and they made a second cut and they found nothing. And I said, oh my God, what the hell have I done? And they finally made the third cut into this unit and they discovered all kinds of talent inside of it and i was right i ended up saving them you know millions and millions of dollars because that's what they were losing and by listening to the french guy and studying and studying and studying and studying so again i was afraid i i had fear that i was wrong but i the, the, the calculations that I made, I just kind of convinced myself kind of quickly. I was right. Mm -hmm. So what am I supposed to do? Go along with them and say, right. study, study this thing for a couple more months? No, this is what I think. I want you to do it. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm willing to risk my job. You know, I'll find another one if, if I lose it. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing. Um, I mean, you just got to have an unwavering belief in yourself. And even when people around you say you can't do this or you're wrong, if you believe in yourself and you have, whether it's mindset or you have the calculations, like you have to stand firm on that belief as art did. And that's going to be one of the things that leads to a very rewarding life. Now, art has had such a storied career at Exxon. We've heard some of it. Uh, but now you've gone on to write a book as fate would have it. And I know like for the book, like you were thinking these thoughts for quite a while and then it takes many years to finally pen the book. I'm wondering what inspired you to write the book and also like how are you able to see it through the finish line rather than what it had been for many years, just an idea in your head? Well, uh, I guess a couple of years after the, I got out of the hospital, and I, I think you told people I was in the hospital for six months, uh, and I was traveling a lot, uh, you know, spending uh, three to 15 hours on the airplane. I'd start scribbling down notes of what, what had happened, okay? And lots of times I'd be flying with a, a, 
a coworker of mine. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm writing notes about the accident I was in. He said, well, let me, let me read them. He, you know, read the notes. And he says, hey, this is really good. You ought, you ought to write a book. Well, I continued over the next couple of years to put it together, you know, rough notes. And then, uh, you know, we'd have like parties around Christmas time and holidays with friends of mine. One of the couple of the, like years, they'd say, all right, everybody's supposed to write a, a story about themselves and, and bring it to the to the party and, you know, read it. And I'd bring my story. I'd read it and they say, hey, wow, that's really good. You ought to put a, put a book together. And then I guess about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I had all these rough notes and uh, uh, a friend of mine that I had gone to high school with, uh, you know, she said, hey, Art, you know, I remember that story you told us all at your 25th or 50th, I guess, high school uh, reunion. She said, you ought to put, put, put it in a book. So I did. I, I wrote the book, put it together, and it's, you know, it's on Amazon. And like I said, I talk about all the events of my life and how one thing led to another and to another and to another. And, uh, if you read the book, you know, you, you learn a lot of things about your life and decisions that you made and how a lot of them were made by fate. They weren't made by your, you know, you, you think you made a stupid decision, okay? A stupid decision, but it really wasn't, okay? Without making that decision, your life would be different. Different family, different friends, different job. And uh, that's, that's the story. Um, you know, I can I can tell you other stories uh, if, if you you got a second. Uh, um. I mean, uh, as fate would have it, like we will have that book in the show notes for anyone who does want to check that out. But faith is such a big part of it. Again, like the main thing is just believing in yourself and not being afraid to go after the things you want to go after, regardless of what other people say about you about your ambitions and the stuff that you're going towards. And I love how Art has just articulated a lot of the stories about how he went from in high school, like he heard he's never going to be an engineer to top of class to saving Exxon millions of dollars through his work. And Art is just a testament to the type of success you could have if you believe in yourself. But these deeper concepts that we've explored in the episode we're only really able to explore them deeper because art had a near death experience. And I do think one of the things we should get from this is think about how finite your life is. Don't act like you're going to live forever and start doing the things now that you know, you will regret if you didn't do them later on. Yeah. I mean, I've done just about everything in life that I, you know, what I wanted to do. I wanted to jump out of an airplane. I jumped out of an airplane. I wanted to build an airplane. I built an airplane. Wow, that's I impressive. wanted to race. Um, spent a couple of years in Zealand. I wanted to race go-karts. And uh, even though uh, in the first national race, the, uh, we were racing against the Venezuelans and uh, they did not want their country to lose and they ganged up on me and pushed me off the track car turned dirty or broke a collarbone in three pieces. And, uh, 
after that healed, I said, I got to get back on the you know, track and race the guys. And now the Arubans thought they could push me around. Okay, here's guy who got hurt really bad. And we could see, I was driving scared. I, I thought to myself, what are they doing? And, and I, I fabricated a couple pieces to go on the go-karts so that when they put their front wheel and behind my rear wheel, I wouldn't flip up. And I remember this one guy, Benito, he's coming in thinking that I'm, he's going to push me off the track. He comes and push me off the track. He gets flipped off to the side. And I started driving and I became, uh, they, they started on the radio, they started calling me El Tamible, the fearsome one. And uh, the next year I, I won the championship of Aruba, you know. I had to overcome that fear that I had from, you know, breaking the collarbone and that, that kind of stuff. I, I did, you know, you said, okay, success is in here. I got uh, 20, uh, 20 patents. I got the Exxon Most Valuable Patent Award twice. We're probably making them millions of dollars, which I got squat. I got the, the Marcus Who's Who Lifetime Achievement Award in Engineering. And like I said, I, I've really, you know, learned to fly a plane. I, I eventually started a boat company. Uh, I designed three high-performance boats myself, and I started a boat company called American Offshore. And I build high-performance, family-oriented boats, and most of the boats are like 100-mile motor boats. Um, that's what I did. I did whatever I wanted to do, even though lots of times I, you know, I thought I'd be a failure. I mean, that's just the way you got to live life. You want to do something, go after it. I mean, make it happen. And uh, I know people hear this stuff often, but are you really doing it? Are you really making the things happen that you want to make happen? Think about that for yourself, because again, you want to do this exercise now rather than 30 years later. And if you want to learn more about art, hear more really fascinating stories. I mean, this guy's done some really fascinating stuff in his life. As fate would have it, has a whole bunch of stories. We will be throwing that in the show notes. Art, do you want us, like, where else can we go on the web or elsewhere to keep following all the work you're doing? Uh, well, the, the book is for sale on Amazon, okay? And you have to type in, as fate would have it. I had some guys that were supposed to do SEO work on it and, you know, supposed to put in like keywords like fate or something like that. And the book was supposed to come up on Amazon. Well, it doesn't. They're, they just haven't completed their job and they keep telling me, well, you know, it'll be another month or a week or this or that. But it, it, I have a website, uh, which is uh, uh, HTTPS double dot forward slash forward slash www dot artdnick.com and it's A-R-T-D-I-N-I-C-K.com. And uh, if you contact me, uh, you, you know, you can buy the book directly from me. Uh, right now, they it was 1995. They reduced it to $15. And if you, you know, you somehow get me an email or better for me, I'll send you the book for $15 and I'll, I'll donate $2 to the $15 to uh, an or charity organization, Wounded Warriors, which I think is a very good organization. Um, you know, 
it, it, it helps a lot of the guys, who, you know, in the armed forces that, that have hurt, they're hurting. They need money, they need things. So, you know, like I said, you can buy it directly from me or buy it off Amazon, uh, supposedly for sale on uh, Barnes and Noble. Um, but, um, you know, that's it. I, I mean, I, I love that arts doing charitable work. And even if you like, for your business, think about how you could do that because that is a really awesome idea. Uh, definitely make sure you grab your copy of Art's book. Again, we will have all these links in the show notes. Make sure you follow Art outside the episode as well. Art, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Hey, I, I really appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, not everybody would do it. You know, they, what the hell is, you know, engineer, who the hell's interested in that guy? Uh, but oh, you're okay. great. You, you know, you took a chance, you put me on your show, and I hope people got something out of it.